Welcome to the Hillside Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you here. Just wanted to take a moment to point you to our social media pages. If you like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram, you'll see all the wonderful things that are happening here at Hillside. Now here is the message from Pastor Gary. Where's there passing this out? Why don't you turn with me to Numbers. Numbers chapter 11. In my devotions, how I do my devotions is I just go through the scripture. That's how I do my devotions. I do, I try to do like three chapters of the Old Testament, three chapters of the New Testament each day and just read through them and pray about what God wants me to learn from it. And I have to admit though, that when you go through Leviticus and Numbers, some of Deuteronomy, what do you have a tendency probably to do? Yeah, skip. <laughs> yes, leave them or skip. But I, uh, there's, there's times I don't. I want to read through it anyway. Let me tell you, there's really a lot in those books, more than you, what you think. The minutiae gets you bogged down sometime. Well, a few weeks back, I was, I was doing devotions. As I was reading through, something just really hit me. And I thought, you know, I really need to do a sermon on that. And so I put it in the back of my mind. And, and then as I was reading through some more, I said, I'm going to do that this week. Um, and I think it's, it's the Lord really... It's his timing because I've been talking to you guys about leadership. We just talked about this morning even a little bit. Um, talked about, about leadership and how we need to raise up leaders in the church. And uh, this passage of scripture uh, really speaks about that. It's Moses. Let me give you the background. Moses has been given the, the, the job, by job by God to lead Israel out of Egypt. And so God through his miraculous plagues causes Egypt to, to throw them away and say, get out of here. So they, they're leaving. So God miraculously then destroys the Egyptian army. So they're in the clear, right? So they're in the de- desert now. And the Lord's leading them during the day with a cloud of, of a pillar of smoke, if you will. And at night, a pillar of fire that leads them. Everything seems to be going well. And Moses is their what? Their leader. He's the one in charge. God's given him that opportunity. He's shown miracles through Moses. So everyone's following him at this point. Except he has over a million people that, like I said earlier, are a big pain in the patootie. They're always causing problems. They're always whining and complaining. Now we're blessed with a pretty good family here. And God's given us a, a, we're not a big church. We're small, mid-sized church, right? Um, and there's enough problems that we have. I am not a Moses, so when I'm doing this morning, don't think I'm comparing myself to Moses, except for the white Charlton Heston hair. <laughs> That's the only thing that happened. I'm not, I don't style myself a Moses at all. I'm not a, a, a giant leader like that. But God's called me to lead Hillside. And so I thought, as I'm reading this passage of Scripture, it really is speaking to me. And not just this passage. This is going to seem like a strange passage for you. But really, all of, of, of the Exodus passages talk about leadership. Throughout the whole thing, it talks about leadership. And this is what happens here. They are griping again. God's blessed them with manna, which means what? Yeah, what is it? <laughs> That's what manna means. The actual translation is, what is it? We don't, know. we don't know what it is. So these little things come down every day. They gather them, except on the Sabbath day. And, and, and they mush them into paste or make them into bread. or do, They make them all kinds of food. So they're getting fed by God. But they're complaining now that they don't have enough meat to eat. But they're not going to God asking him or going to Moses saying, you know, we, we like some meat. Can you do something about that? They did what? 
whine and complain and grumble, the, the scripture says, to one another. You have a problem, what should you do? What? Take it to the leader. Go, pray about it. Make sure it's something you need to worry about. If not, shut up. That's being such a big baby. We're all babies about the stupidest things. You know, if it's not a big deal, stop it. We make big deals out of nothing. But if it is a big deal and it's really bothering you, you should pray some more about it and go to the person that's causing the difficulty if you have a problem with them and talk with them in the right way. And if it doesn't work, go to the leader and work it out. Come together and try to work it out. But make sure you're coming to trying to work it out, not just trying to blame someone for something, okay? So this is the problem we're having. It's a bunch of whiners. Whine over stupid stuff. So, so, so God says, okay, I'm going to give them meat to eat. And, and, and Moses at this point is saying, how? There's 650,000 men besides all the women and children. So over a million people here. How are you going to, God, if we killed all of our flocks, we couldn't give them enough food. God, and so God's going to talk to him here. In chapter 11, starting verse 23, starting verse 23, as he's saying to them, I don't know how we're going to do this, God. The Lord answers Moses, is the Lord's arm too short? You will now see whether or not what I, what I say will come true. So Moses went out, told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders or their leaders, okay, had them stand around the tent then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him. And he took the spirit that was on him, meaning Moses, and put the spirit on the 70 elders. When the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did, did not do so again. However, two men whose names were Eldad and Medad had remained in the camp. They were, listening, they were uh, listed among the elders, but did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad uh, are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, oh, I love Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since a youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord put his Spirit on them. And Moses and the elders of Israel, of Israel returned to the camp. Let me stop there. I know this sounds like a strange passage to preach from. I don't think I've ever heard a sermon from this passage of scripture. But here's what I want to get across to you. God wants us to understand how important it is to have godly leaders. It's important. You have to have it for Moses and for our church hillside. We have to have it. I want to point this out to begin with though. 70 men at this point were chosen to be leaders. They just seem to be leaders of the tribes. So God called them and poured his spirit out on them, and they prophesied. But the scripture says they, they didn't do what then after that? They never did it again. They never did it again. So we don't know what kind of leaders they actually were. At some, But God did bring them out and pour his spirit on them. And we see throughout the scripture the need for good godly leaders especially in, in, in the time that Moses was leading through this desert. Over and over again, God showed Moses, I'm going to pour my spirit on you, and you're going to be the leader of this group, but you need what? What do you need, Moses? I'm going to give you my spirit, but you're also going to need what? What? Help. You're going to need help. There's over a million people here. Remember his father-in-law, Moses' father-in-law came, watched him as he was judging the people. 
And his father-in-law said, uh, what are you doing here, Moses? Hey, I'm judging him, Pop. <laughs> just, uh, they come to me, and I give them what, what God says, we, uh, you know, what his law says. And his father-in-law said, huh, that's really good. That's kind of dumb. What? You're going to kill yourself doing this. All these people come to you with all the, you, do you have to judge everything? Don't you have people in your, among your group here smart enough to be able to be leaders? Why do you have to do it all? Lift up some leaders to help. They can judge. Someone can be leaders of 10, a 100, a 1,000. Let them do some of the work. Here's one of my failings in the, in, 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 that I had as a leader is I'm um, a loner by nature. I like people, I like to, but when I do work, I do it well. How? I do it alone. I do it by myself. I do, I like to, I'm a hard worker. I'm a strong worker. God's given me health and, and, and physical strength, and, and, and he gives me guidance spiritually, but I have a tendency to just do things on my own. There's a, it's a weakness because I can't do everything as well as I should. And God's shown me that through the years. That I have to allow others, people to, to come alongside me. I'm working on that now at Hillside. We lost 142 people in two years, guys. All those jobs we lost, 140, that's half our congregation gone. A lot of those people were our leaders too. There were some strong leaders we lost. And we're struggling right now when it comes to that. We're struggling right now. So myself, Jim, we kind of just, you know, I, I just kind of, hold back and just start, start going back my old way and just doing things on my own again. And God's really been talking to me and saying, you need to make sure that, that you help cultivate other leaders around you, that they will grow up. You encourage them, you discipline if they have to, but you make sure that you're, they're trained the right way and they're pointed to me. And he's been really been putting that on my heart. And I'm not going to do it this week, but this sermon, what I wanted to get across to you mostly is this. If you are, I want you to pray about this. I'm going to next week hand out cards to you, anyone who will covenant with me to actually pray about this. And I'll take those cards. I'm going to use those for my prayer, for my prayer uh, time then. All the people that, that sign these cards. If you say you'll covenant with me especially, that you'll pray about this. I'm, I'll put you, you're on my prayer list then. I'll be praying about this. Um, I want you to pray that God will, will lead us as a congregation to have leaders rise up. People that, 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 that are seeking God's guidance and will, that they want to be people who can lead groups of 10 or 100 or whatever, you know, people that will, will take charge of certain areas of the church. Now, I want you to understand this from this passage of scripture. How many people were chosen at this point in this story? 70. Seems like a lot of people until you consider there's over a million people. <laughs> Only 70 chosen here. Another time you'll see 12 of the tribal leaders chosen. To, 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 to help. So God chooses people, but I want you, want you to understand this. In the churches, all t- anytime you hear sermons on leadership, they're always telling everybody that, that what? You should be what? Seek to be what? We're talking about leadership, so you should seek what? To be a leader. Stupid. No. No. If everyone was a leader, who would follow? Now, at some point, we're all to be ministers, though. God gives us tasks to do. But not everyone's meant to be a leader. So don't get feel, oh, I feel terrible. I'm not leading anything. If you're not meant to, to lead, then you're not supposed to lead. 
In fact, the scripture says this. If, not everyone should seek to be a teacher. Because those who are teachers will what? Will be judged more harshly. So if you're in a leadership position, you're teaching, you're leading in some way. Let me tell you what. God holds you responsible. So if you're not called by God to be leading in some group, you just do it because of pride or obligation because other people are looking at you and you don't want to look bad. If you're doing it because of that, that's the wrong reason. But I do want you to understand this. All of us are called to minister. We're all called to work. And those of you who are all call, are called to be leaders need to understand this from this passage of Scripture. That if you're a leader, that means that you lead by example. Not by just dictation. You don't just dictate to people. In this passage of Scripture, when you're looking at Moses, he gets all these people around him, and, 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 and he leads, but he doesn't lead by just telling them all the time, this, this is what you're going to do. Sometimes he'll give them a mandate because God gave it to him. And he says, God says this. This is how I lead as a pastor. This is how I, I want to lead. I will tell you, this is what God's saying to him. This is what his word says. This is, how, this is what we need to do because God says it's the right thing to do. Now, in any board meeting, if it comes to a scriptural issue, and our board would say, no, we don't want to do that, but the Bible says we should, what, what should I do? What should I do? That's right. You stand in the Bible. But how about the board meeting when I say, I do not like, we're going to need new, new carpet, and this just happened, not, uh, I don't know, we've had this for a while, I guess, but we need this new carpet in here. And, and uh, I picked out the carpet I thought would be really good. And the ladies on the board did not agree with me. And they picked out this carpet that we have. Who, who won on that, I think? <laughs> no, no one won. What it was is we got together, we decided what we wanted to do, um, and we voted on it. And the vote uh, sided with the ladies. I live in a house full of women, so I'm kind of used to that. So I said, what? I'm the pastor, and that carpet's going to be the color because I think it should be this way. No. We came from church at uh, College Park. I heard uh, Kimmy said that the pastor came in there, and they were talking about doing some changes, and that they, they picked out what they wanted, and the pastor said, God told me the carpet should be this color. <laughs> wow. Either he's got a really, really close relationship with the Lord, beyond anything that I've ever <laughs> experienced. Or he's lying. You know why I think that he's lying? Yes. I do not believe that you go against everyone on the color of the carpet, and that's going to be a godly thing to do. You don't lead by, you lead by example. When I was raising my kids, Karen and I, we tried to set the example for the girls. We tried to be the same at home as we were here at church. There were rules to go by, but we didn't just dictate to them. We wanted to lead by example. When we said, you know what? You ought to care about people. You, you need to, to not be pushy and, and try to always get your way, but you should think about the needs of others. So what did Karen and I do? We tried to, to live that in front of them. And if we failed, we'd pray about it. We'd be pretty open with it. I was saying this morning uh, in my Sunday school class, we tried to live the same way at, at home as we did at church. Church, um, And uh, uh, sometimes when you get to be teenagers, though, it doesn't work very well. Because I remember Leanne one time trying to catch me on that saying, yo, yeah, dad, you don't live the same way you do at home, you do at church. 
I said, well, how is that? She says, you wouldn't yell at those people like you do me. <laughs> I said, if they talked to me the way you do, I would. <laughs> we tried to be the example to them. And what happened was, we saw all three of our girls become the women that we wanted them to be. Not because Karen and I are the greatest parents, but because we tried to live that life and then point them to Christ. Look at God. He knows right from wrong. Moses did that over and over again. Anytime he ever talked to people, he said, God says this. God's given this this way. This is what we ought to do because God's shown us this way. That's a good leader. And another thing about being a good leader is this. In this particular passage of Scripture, you have Joshua speaking up. Joshua sees two people not with them who are prophesying. He hears about them. And so he says, hey, you need to shut them up, Moses. Go kick them in the fanny. That's in the Hebrew. It says, doesn't say that. But that's pretty much what he's saying. Go shut their mouths up. And what did Moses say? Yeah, are you jealous for me? Yeah, you've been with me since you were young. And I'm, I'm training you to be a leader. So Moses is being a wonderful example of what a leader really is. Because a leader is a person who doesn't become jealous of others who have abilities and skills and, and a future that God has for them. He loved Joshua and he was training him very well. Joshua was, became, I think, even stronger leader than Moses. But he had difficulty here. There's a bit of jealousy that was, that was coming out. I've tried in my ministry not to ever let that happen. I'm not saying I'm perfect in that. I mean, there's times you, if you open up your pulpit and let someone speak, you always run the risk that someone's going to say what? What are they going to say? What? What did you just say? You heretic? <laughs> yes, Julie said, someone's going to say, Wow, you should have heard them last week, but they, well, couldn't you preach like that? <laughs> you're going to run that, you're going to run that risk. And I've had that happen where, where I've let someone speak and they say, wow, pastor, that was just the greatest sermon. And so what do I need to do? Yeah, yeah, say, well, let me tell you what wasn't good about it. <laughs> no. no, praise God for it. When I first came here, we talked about Reverend Bowsman. Everyone loved Reverend Bowsman. Oh, well, you either loved him or you hated him. There was no in-between with him. And people would talk about him all the time. They'd compare me to him all the time. That was a real, real um, difficult uh, thing to go through. To get compared to someone who's no longer with you, so they're pretty much, a, you know, in a Catholic church, they would have been a, a saint. Because <laughs> I think he did a few miracles with... So everyone, he's so great at everything he did, so now you come in, and you know you're not... You know you're not anything great. But everyone's talking about all the stuff he did. So no matter what you did, no matter how God's blessed the ministry you're doing, someone's always going to say what? Like I told you, remember that cantata we had? We had the cantata and four people got saved. Everything was going great. And what did people say when they walked out? A couple of people say to me, oh man, you should have been here when Reverend Bosman was here. Then we did real cantatas, boy. Oh, those were good back then. Which means what? I mean, yours is nothing, Pastor. You don't even know what you're doing. You know? I prayed a lot about this through the years, and, and I think God really blessed me early in my ministry because my first church was Herbshire United Methodist Church, and the pastor I had there, who was a great guy, um, was getting up in years and um, was kind of 
getting ready to retire. And when I came in, he just automatically assumed that I'm what? I was what? 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 No, no, he actually didn't think that. Um, well, he probably did some, but. Yep, thought I was there to replace him. I was there to replace him. I'm there trying to weaken my way in anywhere I can. Now, you know what? That was the, the least thing in my mind. It was a Methodist church I was pastoring at. I was, I was getting my licensing through the Wesleyan church. Never even occurred to me that we'd stay in the Methodist church. Never even thought about it. Wasn't even there. But in his mind it was. And so to him it was what? It was real. And he used to take me in the office on a regular basis and yell at me. I remember one time, I, I lived in the Parsonage because he was a professor at Taylor, actually. He was a professor there. Um, and he's a great man. We became really good friends. I want you to know this. But this time, he was having a lot of trouble with this. This idea, this jealousy. And so I come in, and, and, and just to show you, a leader cannot be this way. A leader needs to trust in God. A leader seeks God and praises Him and honors Him and points people to Him and builds others up to honor God. Let God bring the honor. Don't seek it on your own. That's a good leader. And Moses learned that. This guy, he had trouble. One time, <clears throat> I was in the parsonage, and he, he wasn't around. So instead of just doing the youth, which was what I was supposed to do, I came in to do the youth. I was also doing Colonial Oaks at the same time. And I started an adult Bible study, and I'd preach on Sunday evenings, and then once every Sunday morning, every month, every month, once a month, I would, I'd preach a Sunday morning service, okay? Until he got mad because people were saying what? Oh, yeah, Gary's really doing a good job. My mom and dad came for graduation, graduated from college. My mom and dad came. Um, you guys, I think, were out. We had everyone. So we come to church. Who'd you hear preach that day? It was my Sunday even that I was supposed to preach. You didn't hear me that Sunday. He came in and switched the days on me. I said, I said well, Fred, why, the, I have all our families coming, and this is the day I'm set to preach anyway. I'm the one that sets the days. I'll tell you when you preach and when you don't preach. I didn't speak that day. And he'd take me in the office. I'd go to see someone I'd, to the hospital. He wouldn't be there. So I'd call his house, say, so-and-so's in the hospital. It looks like it's pretty bad. Um, so I'm just going to go over there and check on him. And I'll tell him you're going to be there then. I'd leave a message at his house. I'd go to the hospitals, make sure everything's taken care of. I'd go back. He'd come back that, that Sunday and see me and say, I heard you went and saw so-and-so. Yeah, yeah, I did. I'd talk to you. We'd go in the room. he shut the door. Who do you think you are? You think you're the pastor? I'm the pastor, not you. Don't you try doing this stuff to me. You undermine me when you do that. I said, what are you talking about? I, I, I tell them you're on your way. I, t I, I say that, you know, that you're going you're gonna to be here for them, but that I, I heard that they were here, so I was stopping in first, and I'd let you, I, I called and let you know, and you'd be here as soon as you could. Well, what if they won't let all, both of us in? I said, Fred, that's never happened. <laughs> that's not I could have just let one pastor in and not let the other one in later on. Oh, did you tell me? He just, he'd actually yell at me. Why was he yelling at me? Was I doing anything wrong? No. There's a threat to him. Let me tell you what. I was no threat. I was no threat. I wondered back in those days, why is this going on? I know a couple of reasons why. God had to teach me patience. I was a hot-headed young buck that just came out of a fighting background, physically fighting background, and he had to really change that attitude in me. So I took that yelling. 
I sometimes would tell him what I thought, but I didn't, but I didn't yell back at him. He taught me patience, and he taught me something else. He taught me, Gary, don't you ever treat anyone else like this. You always remember what you feel like right now. How embarrassing it is for you to just stand here and get lambasted and told you you're worthless and told you're, you're trying to, to take someone's job. You remember how that feels so that you don't ever do it to someone else. Don't you assume you know what's in someone's heart and mind. And so through the years, I've really tried as a leader to, to practice that. I mean, I don't always succeed. There's been times jealousy's tried to, to raise its head up in me. But a good leader praises God and honors him. And when someone else does well, he what? Lifts them up and praises God for what they're doing. I want to be a leader like that. So if you feel like God's speaking to you about becoming a leader, that's one of the number one things to have in your heart. Don't let jealousy ever get a hold of you. It will tear apart a church. Don't ever, people in the church, we cannot fight, guys. We cannot be assuming in our minds that someone's upset with us all the time or someone's doing something wrong. And if there is something wrong, let's just bring it up and let's take, take care of it, okay? We as leaders, we have to understand that Satan is always trying to get a foothold. He was trying to do it in Israel, and he's trying to do it here. And we need leaders that will stand up and say, we're going to point to God, and we're going to trust in him. And when you're really trusting in the Lord, it doesn't matter if someone else gets praised. It doesn't matter. If I'm really trusting in God, he's put me here as a pastor, then you know what? I'll be here as long as what? As long as he wants me here. And if some young person comes in here, and God says that they're supposed to be the pastor, I should what? Thank you, Lord, for bringing someone else in here to take the place, take my place at some point. It's going to happen. You guys are going to turn on me. You know it. <laughs> I want to be a leader that fosters that in others. I failed a lot of times. I'm not good enough disciplinarian. Because I came from a past where I was too harsh and too strong, because of that, I, I'm, not, I'm not very good at, at saying, okay, we're going to sit down. Let's, you can't act this way. <laughs> I'm always afraid I'm going to get too tough, and so I tend to, to step back too much now. But I'm telling you now as a leader that I really believe God's speaking to me, saying, Gary, you got to do a better job at raising up more leaders in the church. We have to have men's group leader. We need a men's group leader. We need some man. And Gary, it's not you. God's told me that over and over. It's not you. My tendency would be to what? We need a men's group, so what? I'll start leading the men's group. And God's let me know, no, you're not supposed to. I've, we've done this in the past. Pastor Jim and I are both. We've stepped in on things that probably we should have had someone else take over. I'm terrible at that. So God's been speaking to me. We need a men's group leader. We need young adults. We have a ton of young adults in this church and no young adult group. We have Jessica Teagarden is supposed to be coming with, to help us out. She can't be here on Sunday. She works, uh, um, she's in the service part-time um, in the, um, the army. And then she does, uh, she works at another place here in town. So Sundays they have her working. She can't get off. But she says she's willing to work Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays at the church and get a group going. We want a young adults group. We want someone in their 20s and 30s. We need that. That's important for us. We have wonderful children's ministry. We have a great um, 
We have a great uh, teens, middle school and teens going on, but we don't have young adult group right now. And there's tons of people who are in their 20s and 30s that really need to bond together and grow. And man, I'm telling you what, there's where you're going to find a lot of good leaders at that age group. We need that. So I need you to pray about this as a congregation. What's God saying to you? Are you called to be a leader? And if you're not, let me say this to you. If you're really not called to be a leader in this way, you are called to serve God. And so you need to make sure that when you're serving God, let me put my glasses down so I don't throw it all over. When you're serving God, you need to make sure you're following a leader who what? Who's honoring God, is pointing the right direction. Be careful who you follow. Some of you are going to be working inside this congregation. Others of you are going to be outside the church doing ministries though. Some of you may be leaders, but most of us, only 70 of those guys are called this time. That left about a million so others who are, who are the workers, right? Let me tell you what. If you don't feel like you're called to be a, a leader, you make sure you pray and you seek God's word. Then you watch the person who is the leader. And you make sure they what? What do you make sure they do? What? Yes. That they're serving God. They're following his word. They're not going off by the wayside anywhere. Okay? That's your responsibility for me too. You call me on it. Read the past of Scripture. Whenever I read, I say this all the time, whenever I'm preaching, read around that past of Scripture. Did I take anything out of context? Call me on it. I don't mind that. Call me on it. I don't think you're going to be able to because I try to my very best to make sure I preach within the context. If you read through this book of, of Leviticus and, and Numbers and, and Deuteronomy, you'll find what we're talking about over and over again, this idea of, of needing to raise up leaders to honor God and serve God, how Moses struggled with this and how God blessed them when he had good leaders. Let me tell you, you talk about jealousy, it can enter into any church. We just talked about that just a second ago. Um, these guys sometimes would get jealous. Uh, at one point, some people were offering um, incense, sacrifice of incense when they weren't supposed to. They said, we don't care what Moses says. We are just as good as he is. We're just as close to God. Those people that offered incense, what happened to them? Do you remember the story? What? Say it louder. Yeah, they burned, God burned them. Boom, fire came down, consumed them. The censors they were doing, they picked those up and brushed them off and cleaned them off and took them away. They said, well, we don't want to lose these. These are holy killed them. Moses' own brother and sister, Aaron and Miriam, rebelled against him. There's nothing harder for a, a leader than to have what? Family or people who you consider family that, that turn, it <laughs> seems like, I'm jealous of you or, or upset with you. Nothing worse than that. His own brother and sister you see this throughout the story, but you see then also consistently that Moses turns to God for the healing that needs to take place. And he keeps pointing the people back to God. Every time Moses does that, you find healing that takes place. You find people rise up to serve him. And even though he has people that turn against God, always God has a remnant of people there that will be raised up, that will honor his name and serve him. And let me tell you what, God uses those few to make a difference in the lives of the many. Joshua is one of them. Joshua became a mighty leader. His friend Caleb, he was the only two out of the 12 that were sent in to spy out the land. 
These 12 leaders, they sent them in to spy out the land. They came back. You guys heard the song. 12 men went to spy on Canaan. 10 were bad and 2 were good. What did they see when they spied on Canaan? 10 were bad and 2 were good. Some saw silence, great and small. Some saw, some saw grapes and clusters fall. Some saw God was in it all. 10 were bad and 2 were good. <laughs> That's a wonderful song. <laughs> Even though I can't sing. <laughs> That's, that's just a great kid's song for you. I can't even say it right. That's a wonderful song. Those 10, 12 went in there. Two of them come out and say, God is God. We saw a great land flowing with milk and honey, and it, it's ready to be taken. Ten of them came out and said what? Yeah, there's a land flowing with milk and honey. Well, we're not going in there. Man, those people are big. They make us look like grasshoppers. And our, even in our own eyes, we look like grasshoppers. I'm not going in there. They're going to kick our little grasshopper fanny. We'll lose everything. Let's go look somewhere else. Two of those people honored God, though. And what did God do to those two people? What did God do for Joshua and Caleb? Does anyone know? Joshua became the leader after Moses. He led the Israelites after this time. And they respected him just as much or even more than Moses. And Caleb, Joshua and Caleb were the only people who are 20 or above who survived the wilderness trek. They were the only two. Everyone else died in the wilderness. Let me tell you what God says. If you will really trust me, you'll stand up for me. If I call you to be the leader and you'll do it the right way. If I call you to be a worker and you're serving me and you're honoring me, I will bless you. You may not always get what you want, but God's blessing will rest upon you. I believe that. I believe he's going to touch us as a congregation. He's going to use us to make a difference in this community. But we have to raise up some more leaders. We have to have people taking over some stuff. Let me tell you what. I'm young and strong, Philan. But I know this. I'm not. At least not young. At some point, what's going to happen to Pastor Gary? Don't tell me die. I'm not that old yet. She's not that either. She just said, I'm going to go to the nursing home. Well, you go a little far, are we? <laughs> Man, you guys are vicious. <laughs> 56 it would be. <laughs> well, yeah, what's going to happen is I am going to get to a place where you're going to say, you know what? Maybe we need someone that can take us to the next level in our walk. Someone that's that's not like Pastor Gary, that doesn't know anything about any technology anymore. And that old dog is hard to teach new tricks to. <laughs> it's going to happen at some point. And you know what? I'm okay. That does not bother me. God has really given me a peace knowing that I'm going to be here at Hillside as long as he wants me here. And then one day, he's going to say, Gary, I have something different for you. I want to bring someone else in. And I want you to make sure you have leaders here that are strong and committed to serving me, not you, me. And so whoever else comes in, they're going to find the help they need at this church. You guys will go so much farther than I've, than I've been able, able to, to, to bring you, even though God's help's been upon me. I understand that. I believe he's really helped us to keep this church solid through the years, even through the difficulties, even when we lost all the jobs and lost all those people last two years. He stopped that bleeding. We're coming back again. We're starting to grow again. I understand we can get back, back up to 200s, maybe even 300s in, in, in attendance. Again. That's great. 
anything beyond that is, is unless God opens me up in a different way is beyond what he's given me the, the ability to minister at. I know that. I, I, don't, I don't have any. He's, he's worked in my heart and shown me that. So I, I have no problem with this. A new guy coming in at some point and taking over. But what I want us to right now is, is to look at this congregation he's given us, his family he's given us, and ask ourselves, am I supposed to be a leader? Am I supposed to be working somewhere in the church here? Am I supposed to be doing something that I'm not doing? Am I really serving God like I'm supposed to? And then say, God, I need you to open my eyes, my mind. Show me what we need to be doing as a congregation. Show me what I need to be doing in this congregation. This is your church, guys. God's given it to you. You're his family. I want this congregation to make a difference in Marion. And I'm not smart enough to do it, or skilled enough to do it myself, or strong enough to do it myself. Maybe now, finally, God's made me smart enough to really understand that. You guys, he's calling. So next week, I'm going to be handing some cards out to you. And pray about this this week. If God's calling you um, to be, to be a, a leader in some way, I want you to answer that call. He's calling you to work in somewhere. Um, and, and say volunteer that's great too in the church or outside this church but next week I'm going to hand out cards that just be all these cards will be for is for you to sign them with your name saying you're signifying that you're going to start praying seriously praying about this it'll be a daily concern for you God show us what you want us to do as a church lead us to the people that need to rise up as leaders if you'll do that for me next week I really appreciate it um, I think God has something great in store for us. He blessed Israel through Moses' ministry. And Moses wasn't the perfect um, leader. He blessed Israel through Joshua's leadership. And Joshua wasn't the greatest leader. God wants to bless Hillside. Why don't you stand with me if you will?